0: The title of my message today is "A Weary World Rejoices." I'm trying to do a, a Christmas theme for every, every message, and uh, you know, in "O Holy Night," a, a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. It's such a. The, the Christmas carols are so potent and so powerful. So come with me, Luke chapter two, and uh, we're going to read from verse eight, Luke chapter two, verse eight. I've got three. Three message, uh, three points this morning on um, just just things that this year, and this is you know 30, 38 years of being a, a Christian, and yet every single year I see something I've never seen before around Christmas. So I want to share that with you. So Luke chapter two verse eight says, "Now there was in the same country shepherds." For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. There is born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The, the, the word Christ means uh, Messiah, Messiah. We, we read it as, as Christ and we read it with the Western context, but for, for, the, for the shepherds, They're telling him, they're telling the shepherds, this is the Messiah. This is the promised one. This is the one who was coming into the world to atone for the sins of mankind. This is the Christ, a Savior. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of their heavenly host praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let's now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made it widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child and all those marveled at the things which were told them by the shepherds. Amen. Uh, so, the, 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 the first point is not poverty but purpose. Not poverty but purpose. I, for years, I would hear that the reason the angels appeared to the shepherds was because, you know, God's heart's for the poor. And so he, he, you know, and so look at this. God turns up, sends his angels to announce the good tidings to the shepherds. Problem. If you've got a paycheck, if you're employed, you're probably not on the high end of the poverty scale. These guys were, were, were shepherds. They were fully employed. They were living in Bethlehem. The reason that the angels appeared to the shepherds in Bethlehem is because in Bethlehem, these shepherds had the sole responsibility of looking after the sheep and the lambs and producing perfect lambs, producing blemish-free, spotless lambs for the sacrifice. The, The angels come and they say, you... Your work, your engagement, everything that you're doing is for the lambs. Let us show you now the Lamb of God who has come into the world. You're going to see the sinless, blemish-free, spotless, perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ. That's why the angels appeared to the shepherds, not because of their financial status or the fact they had some student loans or some gambling debts. It was that the angels appeared to them because everything they were doing every week and every week there were sacrifices. Every week they were producing lambs. And what's interesting is if you study any of the, the Old Testament and Judaism, uh, the, the, the perfection of the lamb became the perfection of Israel. If, if they offered lambs that were blind, if they offered bl- lambs that were lame, if they offered lambs that had blemishes, there was an exchange made. The, the high priest would take the sinless, spotless lamb and he would put it on an altar, one year old, and he would lean on it and he would confess the sins of Israel onto the lamb. And then its innocence and its perfection would be transmuted to Israel, there would be an exchange made on that altar. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 says how Jesus on the cross, God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God in him. So when Jesus hung on the cross I want you to notice that it didn't just say that when Jesus hung on the cross he forgave you and said hey try harder next time. It didn't say that you know he forgave you and kind of wiped the slate clean but hey tomorrow's another day and I'm watching The Bible says that that Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross was so potent, was so powerful, that an an exchange was made. Jesus knew no sin, and yet he became sin so that us sinners might become the righteousness of God. Not the righteousness of an angel, not the righteousness of a cherubim, not the righteousness of a prophet, not the righteousness of a priest, not the righteousness of a man or woman of God. The righteousness of God is what Jesus did. So the the angels appeared to the shepherds to show them everything you're doing is a shadow and a type and it's about to be fulfilled in Bethlehem of all places because that's where where all the lambs, because Bethlehem is so close to Jerusalem, so close to the temple. And so when they saw it, they fell down and worshiped because they recognized that here is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Takes away the sin of the world. Let me just kind of double down on that a little more. Um, Jesus, when when he when he hung when he hung on the cross, he 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 didn't just take on our sin. The Bible says he became sin. He became sin. How many people know John three sixteen? John 3.16 For God so loved the world He gave His only begotten Son What most people don't realize if you skip up two verses before that John 3.14 John 3.14 It says Jesus speaking says Just as Moses lifted up the serpent on a pole in the wilderness even so must the Son of Man be lifted up The Son of Man didn't come into the world to condemn the world but to save the world For God so loved the world He gave His only begotten So the context of John 3.16 is John 3.14 so you would say, well, hang on, whoa, 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 that's a little bit. How, how, how does Jesus compare himself to a serpent? How does he compare? I'm glad you asked. Because <laughs> judgment was on the serpent. Judgment was on sin. Jesus was sinless. But when he hung on the cross, the Bible says darkness came on the land from the, the uh, sixth hour through to the ninth hour, from 12 noon right through to three in the afternoon. And what God was doing, there was no solar eclipse that day, but what God was doing was extracting the sins of the world, just as the high priest would take that lamb, put it on the altar and then lean on the lamb and confess the sins and place the sins of Israel on the lamb in the same way our, our father in heaven as the high priest put all the sins on Jesus Jesus didn't just take your sin he became sin so that the judgment of God that falls on sin that should have been rightly directed towards me all of a sudden like a heat-seeking missile instead of hitting me turns and goes to Yeshua goes to Jesus hanging on the cross because he became sin. He extracted the sin from me, but that would be enough. But he didn't just extract my sin. He gave me his righteousness, and it's the righteousness of God. You you see this pattern. You see this pattern in Genesis when uh, God says it's not good for man to be alone and make a helper suitable. So God puts Adam into a sleep, and he pulls out a rib, and then he makes the woman, and then he brings the woman to the man. He brings the woman to Adam. And the first thing Adam does when he looks at Eve, he says this. He says, my God, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, she shall be called womb man, for she was taken out of man. The first thing Jesus said was, sorry, first thing Adam said was, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. Flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. In other words, she is, unlike the animals, she doesn't have fur. She she is the same as me. No, she doesn't mean that she doesn't need a fur coat. Isn't, it? isn't that true, Michelle? They need fur coats. <laughs> so uh, when, 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 because of Christ, because of Christ, every, day, every one of us one day will stand before God on Judgment Day because he was the sinless, spotless, perfect Lamb of God When Jesus sees you on judgment day, if you are in Christ, he will look at you and say, righteousness of my righteousness holiness of my holiness perfection of my perfection because just like Adam was put into a sleep and a rib was taken out Jesus was put into a sleep death is always referred to as a sleep and as and a spear pierced the side of Jesus and just as the woman was brought from Adam's side in the same way the bride the church was brought from the side of Jesus Christ because of what Jesus did so Not poverty, purpose is point number one. All right, number two. Number two. Number two is what I call the dishonor reverberation. The dishonor reverberation. In in Luke chapter two, verse seven, it says that uh, she, she, she wrapped Jesus in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the inn. There was no room in the inn. How many people know the, the Christmas story where, you know, Joseph's frantic, you know, Mary's waters have broken, he's panicking, they've had to go back for the census, they're back in, Jerusalem, uh, back in uh, Bethlehem, excuse me, and, and so he's frantically, and he goes to an inn, do you have room? My wife, her waters have just broken, she's about to go into a labor, and... The, the owner of the inn, he he doesn't want his sheets messed up. He doesn't, he just, he's making good money this weekend. He's a young couple just starting out. So he says, I don't have any room. Oh, hang on. You can go out into the barn. And so Jesus is relegated to the barn. Jesus is relegated to the barn. Now come with me uh, into 2 Samuel chapter 19. 2 Samuel chapter 19. I want to show you something that's very, very interesting that's hidden in the Bible about whose in? This was, who the inn belonged to. So, Second Samuel chapter nineteen. Yell out when you're there. Second Samuel chapter nineteen. All right. I'm not there yet. All right. Here we go. All right. There we. Are. Oh, there we are. Had a bookmark and everything. All right. Let's go to. Let's go to verse. Uh, so basically, what's happening in this in this context? Just because I'll read, and then you'll, you'll get lost in the story. Uh, David's son Absalom has taken over the kingdom. Absalom is meeting people at the gate, saying, "Ah, oh, you know, if I was king, <laughs> you'd be getting just. If I was king, you'd be getting a raise. Oh, if I was king." And so he was usurping the throne. It, it came to the point where Joab said, "You've got to do something about Absalom because he is coveting the. He's got all kinds of issues, and he's going to." And David says, "No, I'm not going to go to war against my own son." So David leaves the kingdom. He leaves the kingdom. And Joab's like, what are you doing? But David's like, I'd rather leave the kingdom than go to war against my own boy. God set me on the throne. If God's finished with me, then so be it. But if God hasn't finished with me, there's nothing nothing Absalom can do to hold on to it. If God has purposed for me, and so David leaves. As he's leaving, there's a beautiful man by the name of Barzillai. Barzillai comes when he hears David. He was a loyal servant of David. And he comes to David and he brings wine and cheeses and breads and pomegranates and figs and fruits. And and for not just David, but for all of his men. And then he gives David a a lodging place and looks after David. So then David David, uh, spends a season... uh, in kind of hiding and then sadly Solomon uh, sorry Absalom dies and then David now is coming back as he's coming back he grabs Barzillai and he says Barzillai come with me come with me I'll look after you and Barzillai is like look I'm I'm in my late 80s he goes my sight isn't what it used to be my taste I can hardly taste food But if you wanna do something, do something for my son, Kimham. So go to verse uh, 37. Please let your servant turn back again that I may die in my own city, near the grave of my father and mother. But here is your servant, Kimham. Let him cross over with my Lord, the king, and do for him, do for him whatever seems good to you. So the king answered, Kimham. Kimham shall cross over with me and I will do for him what seems good to you. Now, whatever you request of me, I'll do it for you. Then all the people went over the Jordan. Now, if you, come, if you can hang in there, one more scripture. Go to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, I think it's 41. Jeremiah 41. There's another mention of Kimham. Jeremiah 41, verse 17. It says, and they departed and dwelt in the habitation. The NIV says, in the inn of Kimham, which is near, which is near, which is near Bethlehem. Most Bible scholars believe that because David was in the palace, he gave his entire father's estate to Kimham. Kimham in, inherited the home. Now, this is the same home that, remember when when Ruth came, the Moabitess came back with, with Naomi? This was Obed. This was Obed's property. This was Obed's property. It, it was not just a vineyard, but it had lodging that was passed down from from, uh, Boaz to Obed, from Obed to Jesse, from Jesse to David. David gives it to Kimham. Now watch this. Here comes Jesus in the womb. Jesus is the son of David. This is the inheritance. This is the estate of David. Jesus comes to his very own inn and the innkeeper says, there's no room for you in the inn this is this is the most potent picture. You need to understand all these things are in the scriptures to tell us that there's going to be an issue because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof but do you know how many people don't want to acknowledge God as Lord over the earth, Lord over their life. The inn belonged to the house of David but they rejected that Jesus Christ the son of David. So the question is is there room in your life or is there no room in your life because the earth is the Lord's and it's fullness thereof Amen. the Bible says in John 1 12, to those who received him to them he gave authority to them he gave power to be sons of God the one of the tests the second test is what I call the dishonor reverberation the earth is the Lord's and he was rejected from the earth that the, the in belonged to to the seed of David and here comes the seed of David and he's rejected the the test is, can you make room for Him? Is there room for Jesus in your world? That's why the Bible says, honor your mother and father, because it's the exact opposite spirit to the spirit in the world. The spirit in the world is one of dishonor. Our our mother and father, they may not have been perfect, but they raised us. they, They put a roof over our head and we withhold honor. It's the same spirit here. That's why we honor our mother and father. We don't honor them because they're perfect. We don't honor them because they get it right, but we honor them because of who they are. Somebody say amen. All right, and the last one, number three, number three is what I call conflict of kingdoms, conflict of kingdoms. In, in Matthew chapter two, one to six, um, it says that wise men came from the east. Wise men came from the east. One of my favourite songs at night of Christmas was, we three kings of Orient are bearing gifts, we traverse up our field. Just such an awesome song, such a powerful song. Born in Bethlehem Plain. Born a king on Bethlehem's plain, gold I bring to crown him again, king forever, ceasing never over us all to reign. So the wise men come from the east and they come from, you know, years. They're traveling for years and they're following a star, they're following a constellation. Uh, Twelve is the number of government. There are 12 tribes, there are 12 disciples. There are 12 elders, 12 is the number of government. There are 12 months in a calendar. There are 12 cycles in uh, the, the, the cosmos. 12 is the number of government. And the even the heavens proclaim the glory of God. So these, these wise men were astronomers and they saw something in the heavenly realm, in the celestial realm that, that, that the, the king of the universe, the God of the universe was coming into the world, was intervening into the affairs of mankind. So they come to Jerusalem and where, where is a king gonna be? Duh, palace. So they go to Herod's palace, big mistake. They come to Herod's palace and they say, hey, where, where where's the little tyke who's been born king of the Jews? And Herod's like, uh, beg your pardon? Where's, where's, the, where's the little rascal? Is he running around? Where, where, where's, the, where's the little guy who's been born king of the Jews? And he's like, what are you talking about? We saw his star in the east. See all our caravans of camels with articles of gold, articles of frankincense, articles of myrrh. We've been traveling for years. Herod's like, I don't got no star. I I, I got to be King Herod by murdering people, by killing people, by compromising my values. And you're trying to tell me that there's one who has his own star? He has his own star so Herod's like oh um inquire in- in- inquire where, where whereabouts this little guy was born and so they bring the, the the Pharisees the same Pharisees who saw Jesus every day that couldn't and they're like oh in Bethlehem of Judea for it is written and so they it out oh and when was this oh about three years ago so Herod then makes an edict to kill every child under three years of age Every child three years of age, and and the Bible says there was weeping and a cry in the city like there's never been before. People weeping, Rachel weeping for her sons, weeping for her children because they were no more. This is what I call the conflict of kingdoms. And it's before we throw stones at Herod, every single one of us lives there. Every single one of us is like, yeah, you know, I want to be king of my life. I'm just not sure if I want to submit to another authority. I want to be king. But in Bethlehem was born a king. Gold I bring to crown him again. In this life, every single one of us have have the opportunity to either crown him king over your life or reject him as king over your life. But make no mistake King forever, ceasing never over us all to reign. Uh, Jesus is a wonderful savior, the first. Point was Jesus was the Savior, but don't just relegate Him to only being the Savior. Jesus is also the King. He also, all the stars preach and foretell. He was was King in heaven. You can't change that. He's King in heaven. The question is, is He King on the earth? Is He King in your life? Is He King in your world? Or is there no room in your life for another voice? Do you want to have the final voice? I'm not sure where where you're at today, but that's the question that I wanna ask. So would you just close your eyes and bow your head? Maybe you're here and somebody dragged you to church, brought you to church, bribed you. I used to do anything to get my friends saved. I'd, I'd bribe them, I'd threaten them. I'd do anything to get them to church. But however you're here, the question is, have you received Jesus? Have you received Jesus? And let me tell you, if you think, oh my gosh, he wants something from me, I've actually found that, sure, he wanted some things from me. He he wanted to take my sin. He wanted to take my shame. He wanted to take my guilt. He wanted to take my condemnation. He wanted to take my dysfunctions. He wanted to take my brokenness. He wanted to take my selfishness. You're right. There are things that he wants from you. But I'm telling you, what he gets to you is far greater. It's only through Jesus that flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, righteousness of my righteousness, holiness of my holiness can take place. Heavenly Father, I thank you for people here today. If you've never surrendered to Jesus, friend, today's your day. Maybe you once walked with God, but just slipped away, turned away, fell away. You're just away. Come back today. Or maybe you're here and you're just far from God. The most beautiful thing about Christmas is Christmas is about a God who doesn't want to be far. He stepped into the world, split time in half, A.D., And this is what I found when he steps into your life, into my life. He literally splits things in half. This is what my life looked like before Christ. And this is what my life looks like. Anno Domini in the year of the Lord. Ever since I made Him Lord over my life. There is no greater power. There is no greater blessing. So if you're here today and you're one of those three categories, you've never surrendered or you once did and you slipped away, turned away, you're away, or you're just here today and you're far from God. Friend, don't walk out the same way you walked in. If that's you, just quickly raise your hand and I'm gonna see your hand. I'm gonna pray for you. and, And God is to move on your behalf thank you darling I see that hand who else there thank you sir I see that hand is there somebody else I'd love to pray thank you sir I see your hand is there somebody else someone thank you sir I see that hand thank you I see that hand thank you thank you darling I see your hand sweetheart I did this gosh (laughs) I can't believe it's 38 years ago on a beach Everything changed, everything changed, everything changed. I feel like there's one more. Who is that one? There's just a wrestle going on on the inside. Thank you, young man. Now, there's still somebody, there's still somebody else. I, I just feel the Holy Spirit saying, don't, don't quit. There's, there's one more, there's one more. You've been running from and you need to run to. Who is that one? You've been running from and you need to run to, God. Who is that one? Love to pray for you. Up there, thank you. Oh, there, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Come on, let's put our hands together. Can, can we do this? Can we do this? There were so many of you that raised your hands. We, we've got gifts that we want to give you because this is the most awesome, the most powerful decision you can make. So we're gonna give you a Bible, we're gonna give you a following Jesus book, but I'd love to pray for you personally, if that's okay. So would you do this in just a moment, I'm gonna invite everyone to stand to their feet. And when we do, would you grab a friend, somebody that you're sitting with, somebody that you're sitting nearby and say, hey, I raised my hand, would you Would you walk down with me? If you're sitting next to someone who raised their hand, offer to walk with them. If you're sitting with them, someone who should have raised their hand, offer to walk with them. If you're sitting by yourself and you raise your hands, you walk down. We've got an amazing team that will love on you. But come on, church, let's stand to our feet. And those of you up the back and on the sides. Come on, let's put our hands together as they come. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com